Welcome to the New Life Millbrook Weekly Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast or other resources, please visit nlmillbrook.com. So we're starting a new series called Say What? Uh, and in this series, we're going to be talking about one of the most important topics that we have, and that is how we speak. And I know that may sound very superficial, or it, for some of you guys, it may seem very shallow, but the reality is, is that life is in what we talk about. Death is in what we talk about. In fact, if you have a Bible, go ahead and open up to Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21. And this is going to be one of the big verses for this week. Um, and every week we're going to be doing something different. Um, this week, I am very, very comfortable. Next week, I don't think I will be, um, but I'm soaking it in. This might be the longest message I ever preached just because I'm in shorts, so it's been great. Um, and if I kick off my shoes, I'm back in my roots, so don't, don't judge me. All right, Proverbs 18, 21. Let's go ahead and go into it. Hallelujah. Father, we just thank you. Father, Father, Father. 18, 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat of the fruit thereof. Death and life are in the power of your tongue. I want to pause for a moment. This message is not about speaking good vibes, and this message is not going to be some hippy-dippy, you know, create your universe, bro, with your words, and uh, this is not something that we're going to be talking about today about just say the word Ferrari 15 times and, and give me $1,000 and then God will give you a Ferrari. That's not what this is either. But can I tell you from the days of old, they knew that there was life and there was death based on how our mouths operated. In our culture, we seem to lose that. We have lost that whole thing in all of its entirety. When I was 15 years old, I had, there it goes. When I was 15 years old, I, I had, uh, my mom and I would wake up, I think about 5 a.m. every day. Uh, we lived in Slap Belt and would drive to the Prattville YMCA, the old one. Y'all know what we used to have, like, the 99-cent movie theater, and then everybody got the flu when they'd show up at the movies. You know what I'm talking about? The one that it was so nasty that when you sat down, you'd stand up and your shoes would stay on the floor. It was so disgusting. But I'm so cheap. Took my dates there. It was fantastic. All right, so um, 99 cents. So at 15 years old, we would drive all the way out there at 5 a.m. and train. We were training to become lifeguards because when we took our certification, we knew we had to swim at least one mile. Um, and at that time, I, I couldn't do it. Like I could swim, and I was adequate at swimming, but an entire mile nonstop, your feet couldn't touch the ground. You get tired. That's a lot of calories, and it was a lot. So we were trained every single morning. We were going. We were going. Now, Mom and I trained for different reasons. I was training as a lifeguard. Both of us were going to work at a place called Fort Courage out in Billingsley. And uh, I was training because I was sick and tired of working in the kitchen. And being a lifeguard meant I could be at the pool, and I could jump in the water. I could get a tan. I mean, that's so much better than sitting in the room full of steam, washing dishes. Y'all feel me? Like at 15 years old, I'm like, enough is this. I started working there when I was 12. Um, My first summer working there, I worked from the end of May to the end of July every single day for $300. Not a day, $300 cleaning. 
uh, my dad thought that was too much money to give me at the time. Yes, my dad was my boss, so there's that. So at 15, I'm like, I'm not doing this. I'm not going to keep washing these dishes. So I uh, and my mom became lifeguards. They needed lifeguards for the pool. Um, and so we, we go through that thing. And at our pool, there was three big stations. You had the person that was doing exactly what I'm doing. They would walk and they would pace. They were looking. And this person's biggest job was they were actively watching what was taking place from people jumping off on the sides, the diving board, whatever's going on. And they are the quick response to anyone dropping down. Then we had the person down at the shallow end, and they either had a chair or they would wade in the water. They would watch the little kids. Mainly their biggest job was to make sure that no one got trampled, that as people aren't playing chicken, you know, everybody's behaving. The third spot was we had the person up high, um, whether they were up on the high dive or they were in a crow's nest, and they were watching down because their angle was so much better than mine. They could either jump in or they could signal, hey, this person's going down, you need to help. It was a great job. We all had a responsibility. We all had a job to do. Our job, while I'm not going to minimize our first responders, but at that time in Billingsley, we kind of were the first responders when somebody drowns. We were CPR certified. We were first aid certified. We were going to go through all, all the scenarios that we could possibly do. I uh, can't tell you how many kids we saved. It was ridiculous. It was a lot. A lot of kids think they can swim, and they can't. They think they're great. They're like Michael Phelps, but you know what? They're really a brick. Um, and everybody thinks like, oh, well, if somebody jumps in, I'll jump in and save them. Ask my sister, because when my nephew went down, she just stared. I think my mom told that story last week. Um, she did a fantastic job, didn't she? Man, if you guys are going to share a video, share mom's video last week. It was unbelievable. It was great. And so as we're talking about what's taking place, what we have to realize is that if there is life and death in a pool and I'm going to pay somebody to watch my kids, how much more if there's life and death in my tongue should I put a guard on what's going on? See, what's taking place in our lives right now is that we have complete neglect that's taking place. If you were to say at Fort Courage, we're going to let 200 some odd kids jump in the pool with no adult supervision and somebody's drowning, they are legally responsible because of neglect. But yet we're walking around creating death wherever we go with our mouths and it's not my problem. See, the biggest issue that I go with is the why. Now, this is not one of those messages where you have to watch every word that you're saying because can I tell you, the words that are coming out of your mouth are an indication of something worse. In fact, Proverbs says it this way. Open up your Bible to Proverbs 4.23. Proverbs 4.23, and they'll throw it on the screen here for us, tells us this, is that guard or keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it flows life's issues. Well, we have to watch our heart. Well, yeah, duh, Pete. I need to protect my heart. My heart's important. I should guard it. I should watch over it. Everything coming into my heart. Everything going out of my heart. I need to be, be careful. I need to watch over it. But here's the problem. Matthew 12 tells us that it's out of the abundance of that heart that your mouth speaks. This is where I run into it. You being careful about the words you say around me or around somebody else aren't that important. Because all it does is reveal what's actually taking place in here. And if we're going to be walking around 
and we're going to be all these people that are going to be positive on one thing and negative on something else, you know what your heart is? Your heart's wishy-washy. And what I'm watching in our society is this. I'm watching our churches be super positive, and God is good, and amen, and this and that, on a Sunday, and then on a Monday, my life sucks, my job is garbage, everything's falling apart. I think the Bible calls that a double-minded man, and he's unstable in all of his ways. Pete, do I need to watch every word I need to say? Can I tell you, you need to listen to every word you say. It's a whole lot more important for me to listen to what I'm saying because all it's doing is it's indicating what's going on in here. And what's taking place in our society is this. Our churches are no better than our world. And here's what really bothers me. We have the Holy Spirit, and they don't. We have the ability to control and to bridle our tongue and to deal with our heart issues, at least they don't have a reason. They're just the world. But what's taking place in society is that we're walking around living two different lives because we want to be liked by everybody else, we want to be trendy, we want to be relevant, at the same time, we don't want any weird looks. Can I tell you, there's not a single cuss word in the Bible. You can't find the F word in Revelations 2. It's not there. And it's so heartbreaking that we're more conscious of four-letter words than four sentences of death. How you're not going to sit there and be like, I'm going to drop the F-bomb around this person. I can't do that. But at the same time, I'll speak negativity. I'll speak death. I'll speak doubt. I'll speak unbelief and everything else. And that's okay, but as long as I don't cuss. See, we're dealing with a world and a society right now that doesn't have a lifeguard. We've abandoned our posts. It's somebody else's responsibility. Or, this is the greatest phrase, they know my heart. That's the problem. We hear your heart. You know, we, we hear what your heart is saying. I hear what's going on. And what's crazy for me is in our society right now, now, I'm going to talk about churches like ours for just a moment, okay? Just churches like ours, who are churches that were founded on this idea of faith, are now from the pulpits and in the highways speaking so much doubt and unbelief. They're speaking that God just can't do it anymore. That he, everything else is going on with Russia and with politics and with you know, the economy and everything else. It's this doom and gloom society. But God. And that's what they'll say. They'll, they'll go eight sentences, nine sentences about how horrible the world is. But you know, God's got it in His hand. Does He? Because I don't think you think He does. I'm watching our world go from one thing to another. And I think what's heartbreaking for me is that we've been talking about being filled with the Holy Spirit, yet we're talking like we're not. We've been discussing what it's like to have a life that is full of life, full of blessings, full of everything that we go through, and then we have one instance or two instances or whatever it is, or we see something on TikTok, we see something on Facebook, we see something on the news, whatever it is, and it's like, well, there it goes, and it's all undone. 
can I tell you something right now? Is God is not moved and his policies don't change based on what you watch on TV. But you know what does? My heart. My heart changes based on what I put in. Now, I, I, we weren't psychics as lifeguards, but can I tell you a lot of times after watching a lot of kids, you could tell who was going to drop. I, I, I left working at uh, Fort Courage and started working uh, at the uh, Air Force Base in Montgomery as a lifeguard because it was a new experience and Fort Courage was no longer in operation at that time. And so uh, I went over there as a lifeguard and I would watch people. You're, you're a people watcher. It's your job is to, to size people up and what's going on. And, and I would watch these kids in the shallow end jumping up and down in the shallow end. They weren't swimming. They weren't, there was no movements. They were just flailing. And after a while, you realize, like, when they jump up, they would sink to the bottom and then jump back up again. And they have this look like, I'm alive. And then they had this brilliant idea, I'm going on the slide. And we weren't allowed to tell anybody no. So I would watch this kid who couldn't stand up in the shallow end decide they're going to go down the deep end. And my job is I'd say, hold on one second, and I'd kick my shoes off, I'd take my whistle, I'd empty my pockets, I'd go ahead and take my shirt off, go ahead, they'd go down. And their eyes would just get big, like, now what? (laughs) You know what I was doing? I, I was watching them before situations showed up. I was preparing myself, knowing what could come down the road. And what my concern is, is that we've stopped being intentional with life. We've stopped being intentional with planning and preparing ourselves for the world to be the world. I've got some good news and some bad news. Good news is this, and bad news at the same time. This is not the first time that we've had high inflation. This is not the first time that Russia's decided to invade somebody. This is not the first time that there has been a pandemic. This is not the first time that your person wasn't in the White House or in the Senate or in the Congress. This wasn't the first time that we've seen things blow out of proportion. This isn't the first time we've had bad news. But we're preparing ourselves as if this is all of it. It's the end. Can I tell you, this is the end of your times. No one listening to my voice right now is going to live another hundred years. In the scheme of things, this is the end of your times. Whether Jesus comes back tomorrow or a thousand years from now, I don't know. But my time's ending. And it's later than you think. And what I'm watching right now is that we've stopped being intentional and we're punning on first down as if, well, God will come back tomorrow. We're living our lives with our words and our faith and everything else as if we know that there's going to be this huge debt forgiveness and we're spending our credit cards while we can. But can I tell you, there's not going to be a spiritual bailout. There's not going to be this moment where all of a sudden Jesus goes, hey, we're going to undo everything that you just said and have done. You know what's the scariest verse in the Bible for me? Is the verse that says, and God didn't let any of his words fall short. I want you to think about your words. What would your life be like if God wasn't merciful and not give you everything you said? 
Isn't that death? Isn't that things that we're communicating? But no, what we do is we don't have lifeguards. We don't have these people that are watching after us. In fact, if you, if you see Philippians 4, I, w- I was really studying this whole, this whole passage and, and everything that's going on in, in the world. And Philippians 4, uh, verses 6 and 7 says this, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, and by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will keep your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. And what's happening is that we're not keeping our hearts. In fact, when, when, the, when the King James Version was written in the medieval times, there was something called a keep tower. Has anybody ever heard of a keep tower? A keep tower, the whole idea is it's inside the fortified walls. It's typically uh, at this time, it was a cylinder that went straight up in the middle of the fortress. Its walls were actually stronger than the exterior wall. Some were up to 12 feet thick. And the whole point of the keep tower was this, is that there was one way in and one way out. In the keep tower, they would store all their valuables. And when there was a siege, they would store food and everything else inside. And they would put the important people inside the keep tower and keep the first few bottom floors full of the military, full of weapons, so that anybody who went in had to go hand-to-hand combat, and they knew that they couldn't win. And so when the Bible's saying here is keep your heart, what it's saying is put it in such a fortified condition that anything that tries to enter in has got to go through hell and back just to get to it. Guard your heart. Keep your heart safe, because out of it, flows the life's issues. And when you use your words, we can see whether or not your heart is safe or the gates are wide open. But what happens is that we don't have active lifeguards guarding our hearts. It's more, you know, kind of lazy lifeguards. We don't have people, go ahead, buddy. We don't have people that are doing the right thing. We don't have people that are watching. We don't have people that are on guard. You're good, bub. All right. (laughs) Got your sprayer. This is the problem that we're having. This is the guard that you guys have hired for your hearts. This is what's taking place, is that they're here just to get a tan, Show off those sexy guns he's got there. Go ahead and give us a flex. That's beautiful. He's playing on his phone. But you know what he's not doing? He's not watching. I had a lifeguard that I worked with very similar to this. He purposely got dark glasses so that when he slept, no one would see his eyes. He would sit himself up into a place like this as if he's staring at the pool, but he's out cold. I can tell you how cold he was because when I worked at the Air Force Base, every 30 minutes we had to shift rotations. We blow the, blow the whistle, and this was his whistle. Half the time. 
we'd blow the whistle, he'd sit up, he'd look around, and he'd climb on down and take a break. So what would happen is, is for 30 minutes we would watch, 30 minutes we would sit, 30 minutes we would stand in the stands, and then we had an hour of a break. So you only actually worked 90 minutes. It was a beautiful government job. And this was his life. Unless he was standing, he was sleeping. And we had a young lady go in, and I could see from where I was standing that she wasn't going to make it. Um, beautiful young girl. She was probably, I don't know, six. Go ahead and kill it, Josh. He was, she was probably six or seven. Uh, she was really short. Um, I'd just been watching. I'm like, this is not going to go good. I, I knew she wanted to go down the slide. And I told her mom, it's not a good idea. Her mom goes, she can do what she wants to do. Okay. Yes, ma'am. I told the little girl, hey, baby, do you know how to swim? Uh, yeah, and she spun her head around, and she had beads on her hair, and they came around, and I caught her in the eye, and then she screamed that she was blind. And I'm like, baby, if you can't turn your head without getting hurt, you ain't going to make it. She did it anyways. Climbed up to the top, went down the slide. I'm standing there, and I'm watching this guy just like this. He's out, out cold. She's going down. She's not coming back up. Now, when you're watching somebody drown, Ten seconds can feel like an hour. It's an eternity to watch. And you're watching them go down, and I'm watching, and I'm watching, and I'm watching, and I'm waiting, and I'm waiting, like, is he going to move? Is he going to make his jump? This is what he was doing the entire time. So I kick off. I go hauling butt. I dive in. I pull her out. She's coughing. Turn her over. She vomits all over the place. And then her mom gets mad at me uh, because I, I pulled her out of the pool. She said, she would, have, she would have learned. She would have figured it out. She would have got it. Can I tell you guys? You're not going to get it. And what's happening is that we're wondering what's happening with our hearts. Or what's happening with our lives. What's going on with our churches. And what's going on with our churches is that we have so many people that feel like they can just not guard their hearts. That they can put garbage in on a regular basis. That they can watch. That they can listen. That they can read. And they can talk like everybody else. And for some reason, magic powers will happen. And they're going to be safe. But when you put in the same garbage that the world is continually putting in, why are we expecting that we're going to be any different? While the Holy Spirit is an empowerer, He's not your filter. We're treating God's word as if it's a Brita filter and we can just jump a bunch of garbage in and it'll just keep out the bad stuff and give us the good, but that's not how it works. See, God gives you the power to not be stupid anymore. He gives you the ability to use his strength and, uh, and his word to overcome the world, not to live like it. And we're walking our worlds, and we're saying like the world, and we're talking like the world, and we're doing everything else because we're not guarding our hearts. So how do we guard our hearts? Number one, you got to wake up. you got to position yourself into a place where you realize that the garbage you have let in is controlling your life. When you're looking at your life and you feel like you have no control, that nothing is going your way, that everything is just falling apart, that everything is always negative, that everything is always bad. Can I tell you, maybe you fell asleep at the lifeguard stand. You're not guarding your life any longer. 
You're watching what you want to watch. You're listening to what everyone else is listening. And can I tell you, and maybe this is old school, and maybe this is bad, and we can be whatever, but my job in my life as a believer, as a dad, all those things is not to be the most relevant person in the world that knows every everything that's happening from, from uh, Instagram and Snapchat and, and everything that's on Spotify. That's not my job. I, I, it's not supposed to be like that. Pop culture is not my life. And if all I'm doing is consuming everything else that they're consuming, what, what is happening to our churches? I had this conversation with the pastor recently. We're talking about God's uh, move of God and things that used to take place and and he makes the statement, well, maybe God's not doing what he wants to do anymore. And I'm thinking, maybe the church is just so bloated and fat with the world, he has nowhere to move. Maybe when God looks at a church, he can't tell the difference anymore. You know who did that? The children of Israel. They would begin to mingle and intermarry with the world so much so that God couldn't tell the difference between his people and those people. What's happening in our churches today is that we're coming in, we're listening to some feel-good messages, we've got three songs, we've got a quick video that we're playing, and then everybody walks out, and they feel like they did their spiritual duty for the month, month, and in 45 minutes, they're good. Can I tell you, if I eat McDonald's 30 days of the month for three meals, less one, and I have a salad, it doesn't undo everything else I just put in my system. And this is what we're doing. I went to church last month. We're good. I gave $20. Guys, we have no more lifeguards. Our pastors aren't screaming anymore and saying, wake up. When your life is going through hell, and it's not because the enemy is creating opposition, but because you are, you're blowing yourself up, you're not guarding yourself. Can I tell you, Jesus promises that there will be trials and tribulations. But those whole trials and tribulations are supposed to be against his kingdom. Not because we're so much like the world where the prodigal sons. He had trials and tribulations, no? He was eaten with the pigs, right? He was broke, right? He was, he was busted and disgusted, right? That wasn't because he was living right. But we're doing the same thing because we're not keeping guard. Wake up. Number two, listen. Listen to what you're talking about. Listen to the words that are coming out of your mouth. Listen to the conversations you're having. What are the things that are popping out of your mouth? You know, we do these COVID tests where they, 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 they shove things up your nose to see what's on the inside. Can I tell you what's on your inside? Whatever you speak. And it's not like we need to do words management. I'm going to say two bad confessions and one, you know, two good ones, and they're going to balance each other out. Guys, come on. Wake up. Let's not put anything negative in. What is happening with your mouth? Number three, when you're watching your words and you're listening to your words, the next thing you've got to ask yourself is this. Is there anything that I'm putting inside of my heart into my safeguard that shouldn't have access? Okay, now this is where we will part ways for just a quick moment. Sure, we can do the typical, your movies, your TV, your news, your, 
YouTube, everything else, we all kind of get that, right? But what about the people that we allow in our lives? See, there's a difference between being a light in the darkness and letting the darkness influence who we are. See, you can befriend the world, but them not be your besties. Being your best friends of people that are constantly in the mud, can I tell you, is not the way the kingdom is supposed to operate. But Pete, if I don't, who will? There's a difference. Be friendly, be loving, reach out to all men, to all women. But can I tell you, when you're struggling with guarding your heart, it's not the best idea to be around those people at this time. When we were training to be a lifeguard, one of the first things they showed us was a lot of times when you go to rescue somebody who's drowning and you go to save them, they'll attack you. They'll jump on you and they begin to hold you down. And so what we would do is we would go in and at the time they, they, would, uh, they would throw somebody else in that was you know, bigger than you are and act like they're drowning. And then when you would go to save them to try to help them out, hey, here, here's the tube. They would, they would paw at it and then get to you and push you down and push you down and push you down. And you are beginning to drown. And so what they teach us to do is to lean back and kick off. Sometimes ball up your fist and you had to punch them in the face. That's what they would teach us to do. And we would. That's how we learned. And they would get shocked. And then we would rescue them and pull them out. But you know what I had to do? Is I had to create distance or we were both going to die. And what I'm looking at in my life is maybe there's people who have a key to my heart. Maybe there's people who have a key to my tower that shouldn't have it anymore. Because we're both drowning. And I can be nice, and I can say I'm going to help them, and I'm going to pull them out, and I'm going to be the big sister, I'm going to be the big brother, I'm going to be the best friend, I'm gonna, my life was garbage, but Jesus saved me, I'm going to do the same thing for them. Are you strong enough to carry that? Or are you going to drown too? And it's not just the bad people. Sometimes we have to watch out who we're training with. Some believers who are well-meaning, good-intended believers get around other well-meaning, good-intended believers, but neither one of them are strong enough and they both go down. Have you ever seen that before? I was that guy. When I was training as a lifeguard, I was probably coal size, maybe a little bit smaller. Um... <laughs> And one of the things that they would do is they would partner us up in training. And most people that would train, they had a, somebody they came with, a friend, a, a, a family member, whatever it is, and they would partner up together. Well, I didn't have somebody that I was training with, and we were practicing backboard. So you take the backboard, somebody's upside down, they hit their head, they're in the water, you take the backboard, you submerge the backboard, you stabilize their neck or their head, you, you, you roll them over, and then you pull them out after they're strapped in. So they partnered me up. The problem was, they partnered me up with this woman. God, how do I say this? Fasting was not in her lifestyle. Okay? Um, yeah, girl, the Bible says that whatever your hands touch will prosper. She'd been touching the buffets. So what's happening is, is she... 
She was built like Matt. I'm not being mean. Solid. Good looking girl, Matt. That's what it was. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I'm built like Cole. So I get the backboard in, and in my mind, I think it's water. Everything's lighter in the water. It'll be okay. And it was true. I jumped in, got her strapped, put the backboard on, strapped her head, her chest, her stomach, her legs, her feet, all the way down. She's boom, completely immobilized. The instructor comes by, looks at her, like, looks good. Great. So then I had to take the backboard and I'm swimming. I'm swimming. I'm swimming. I get to the edge. I take her to the edge. And my job now is to pull her out of the edge, out of the water. The problem was I hadn't been hitting the gym like Cole. Um, and uh, the, the, I want to say the floor was slippery. That's what I want to say. But I'm, everything I've got, I've pulled her up and I've got her, her head is right here. And I go to take a step back, and I slip, and I let go. Now, mind you, she's strapped in. <laughs> and this is what I hear. Uh, 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 wow! Back of that head, bounce, did it, right on the floor. Knocks her out. My bad. <laughs> This is the last week of training. She had a concussion. And because she had a concussion, they wouldn't let her swim for six weeks. So she couldn't graduate. And had to start the whole program over. I, I meant good. The problem was is that I couldn't carry what I needed to carry. I wasn't strong enough in that season to pull her out. I wasn't able to do what I can do now. Because what's happening is a lot of times we're not training, we're not active, we're not keeping, we're not guarding, we're not intentional, and then all of a sudden we see somebody and we're like, oh, I can help them too, as they drag us down with them. And what's going on is that we're not being vigilant in everything that we're doing. Can I tell you guys something? You're called to be an army of God, not the lazy members of the, of the cross. And what we're not doing right now is that we're not seeing a world of men and women that are prepared for this season. And can I tell you, this is a beautiful season to be in. I know everyone is speaking negative, but I see what's happening in the world and go, man, the harvest is ripe. The harvest is there. People are starving for truth. I know that they're screaming for a lot of relevance and they're screaming to cancel everything, but can I tell you, they're dying on the inside and they know it. And they're looking for somebody to stand up and say, no, 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 that's not what's happening in this world. That's not what truth is. But what's going on is they push back on the church and the church caves in and then they go, I must not have been that strong. They must not have believed it. I threatened to make a mean tweet and they caved. Seriously? Seriously. I'll tweet it for them. Like, wh what are we doing? You know what we're not doing? We're not guarding our lives with vigilance, with, with activity, with, with everything intentional. And we're letting ourselves drown. We're letting anybody in. 
and we don't hear what's happening in our world. What are you saying? How do you see the future? How do you see the present? How do you see your families? How do you see your marriages? What are you speaking over your kids? What are you speaking over your health? What are you speaking over your mind? What are you speaking over your relationships? What are you speaking over your job? What are you speaking? Come on, people. What are you speaking? What are the words? Where is your heart right now in every aspect of life? We're not talking about going to heaven. Sure, you're saved. You're going to make it. But can I tell you, there's a lot of people that are going to go to heaven but live hell on earth because they're not watching. And we've got to pivot and be the men and be the women of God that you're called to be. You're called to guard your life. You are the ultimate lifeguard. And I can tell you whether or not you're swimming or whether you're drowning based on the words that are coming out of your mouth. And it's time to listen to yourself. What are you doing? And what are you saying? God, we thank you for this day. I thank you that you've given us the ability, God, to listen and to hear what's going on. And Father, as, as, as our churches continue to grow and develop and to connect with you, God, I just ask that right now that you just give us insight into what's going on in our world. Our world, not the entire world, just our world, our hearts. Are our hearts in a spot right now that are not pleasing, that are full of filth, that are full of disgust, that are full of decay? Are the words that we're saying continually negative and bad and full of doubt and unbelief? Do we follow your words on a Sunday, but then, then give them up on a Monday at the office because everybody else is negative, so we got to be negative too? God, I just ask right now that you begin to open our eyes and our ears to hear and to see what you're speaking over us over this next season. In your name, amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Have a great week.